Hey everyone, I want to welcome everyone to another episode of the Millennial Money Matters podcast, which is devoted to helping millennials gain control of your money and gain control of your finances. And today, as you guys can see, the topic of conversation is we're going to be giving you a guide if, to being a first home buyer. I think you guys are going to love this because um, we're going to cover a few topics like uh, how to get approved for a loan because that's the first, I mean, that's the first most important step um, in the home buying process. So, you know, how to even get started with that. We'll talk about that. And even if you do have a home, because we want to cover both sides of the spectrum as well. Um, if you're interested in refinancing or you've been hearing that word kind of thrown all about, uh, we're going to talk about that today. And fortunately, I'm, I'm happy to have as a guest a buddy of mine. His name is Eric Safarian. Okay, he works for the Bank of England Mortgage Group. He's a home loan specialist in the Boston area. He works with, you know, specifically first-time homebuyers, and he helps them achieve their home ownership goals. That's what he's all about. He's an he's an expert. That's why I wanted to have him on the show. He's an expert on helping people to apply for loans and, and figure out their different uh, techniques and strategies so that they can do so. And the cool part is that he's got license. He's got licenses in all 50 states. So after this, if you're ever trying to look for your first home, or if you're ever trying to get into that loan approval process, my man Eric is the go-to guy. So Eric, it is an absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming on this episode of Millennial Money Matters with me. Hey, Austin. Yes, thank you for inviting me to come on the podcast today. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Big time, big time. So let me ask you, I mean, this now this is something that's been, I know it's been on my mind because we can't help but hear or see it, but COVID has been having such a crazy effect on the housing market lately. I mean, what's what's going on with that? There's no homes, prices are up. What's, what's going on with that? Uh, yes. So uh, due to COVID, obviously there is crazy demand uh, for home ownership, uh, especially uh, in the suburbs. Uh, and so for that reason, it's considered more of a seller's market. However, there are opportunities that are opening up in the cities uh, because people are leaning more towards the suburbs. Gotcha, you, gotcha. You. Yeah, it's, it's insane. I just, I mean, I just read this report. I mean, it, it was for November, but it was saying that housing prices had gone up over 8%. And I can, I can only imagine where they're at now. And it's, it's crazy, man. I know I've never seen this before, but it's, it's nuts. But here, here's the other side of things I've been hearing, too, is that everyone keeps saying that it's a great time to refinance. I mean, what does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, one of the things that uh, the federal government is actually doing sort of to help the economy at, at this time due to COVID is they're purchasing mortgage bonds. And the effect of that is that interest rates have gotten lower. And so that's something that is considered very favorable to buyers, obviously. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. And, and for all you listeners out there, we're going to take it step by step. We're going to break it down the refinance process because obviously this whole podcast series is devoted to helping you basically manage your finances to gain control of your money. So once we finish talking about, once you learn about the, the refinance uh, program that's available to you, you're going to learn different ways on, in which it's going to help you to save tremendous amounts of money, especially if you've got yourself a mortgage. So let's take it step by step, guys, just like how we do everything else. So refinancing, let's start basic. I mean, Eric, what does it even mean 
to refinance? What, is, what does that mean? Sure. So a refinance is simply uh, a restructure of your existing loan. So the types of refinance uh, could be just to shorten the term of your loan. So if you want to pay it off quicker or just lower the interest rate or even take out more money against the home. Okay, okay. So shortening the term, being able to take out more money against the the home or even lowering your interest rate. Those are definitely really, really good ways to, uh, to, um, to save more money. Um, this is, it's not a topic that we're going to talk about in this episode, the housing expense ratio, but it's basically, you know, what percentage of your gross income is going to your housing expenses. And, you know, if, if you do these things that Eric just mentioned, if you do refinance, lowering your interest rate, that lowers your monthly payments, um, shortening your term. I mean, this will all help you out in the long run. So definitely pay attention, guys, if you guys have a mortgage. Now, we just talked about what a uh, what refinancing actually is. We just kind of covered a little bit of some of the benefits. It's basically going to help you save money um, if you look at it overall. But h- how do I know? when it's time to refinance let's say i just like moved into my first home uh you know a few months ago let's say early 2020 you know how do i know it's it's a good time to refinance and and how does that process even start where do i go where do i start sure uh yeah so the first conversation that i would have with somebody looking to refinance is essentially you know what are your goals uh if you're just looking to lower the monthly payment and the thing I would look at sort of is the break even point. And that what I mean by that is weighing the cost of, of closing, your closing costs against how much money you're saving monthly. And so uh, I would look at how long it would take for you to break even on your closing costs. And then after that, every month you're saving that, uh, you know, that's how much you're going to net. Um, so that's what I would look at. Got you. Okay. And, and who do I go to? If, like, who's the first person I go to? Should I go to uh, a loan originator like yourself? Should I go to a loan officer? Should I go to a mortgage broker? I mean, who should I go to to talk about refinancing? Uh, yeah, definitely. I could be a point of contact for that, certainly. But, um, you know, that you should weigh your different options. Um, your deposit bank, uh, a loan officer, um, just whoever is really that trusted advisor who's going to put you in the best position. Gotcha. And do I have to refinance with the same uh, bank or the same broker that I got my mortgage from, or can I do it from anyone else? Yep, correct. Yeah, it can be anybody. Um, they, anybody can refinance. Uh, it, you just have to wait six months after the purchase. Gotcha. Okay, so that's so that's the first standard. I like that. So six months after the purchase of the home. Then we're then we're eligible now what about um percentage wise because people have been, and we talked about a little bit that people have been saying that you know interest rates have never been lower things like that but how do i know whether i have a good interest rate or if it's too high or if the one that's going on right now is, is perfect i mean how do i know should i look for like two or three points of a decrease or a point and a half decrease for to start looking into it uh, well, I mean, th- yeah, so there are all different types of mortgage structures. You know, if you bought your home 10 years ago and you haven't refinanced, uh, it's m- almost certainly, you know, a really good time just because rates are, you know, in the low threes, high twos right now. Uh, if you're in an adjustable rate, you certainly would want to get out of that, in my opinion, just to lower the monthly payments. 
Um, so things like that I would look for. Gotcha, gotcha. Now let me ask you a little side question. This is kind of off the outline, but I, I don't think it'll throw you off too much. But um, can I refinance if my credit score, or I guess the credit score of the, the homeowner, if that my credit score improves, do I have the ability to refinance? Same way like I'd be able to refinance on a... Uh, a credit card or like an auto loan can i can i do that absolutely yep so the credit score uh is definitely something that your lender is going to factor in when they refinance you so if you've had dramatic credit improvements or even just slight credit improvements it's worth looking at your scenario again uh to see if you can save money on that on the rate gotcha okay that's good to know and you know what this is this is the perfect segue into the um, the main course of, of this episode, because I want to talk about the loan approval process. And we know that one of the factors is credit score. So I talked with Eric before this, and um, I, I wanted to get a general idea. You know, if there's anyone that's ever trying to apply for a loan, no one wants to get turned down for a loan, right? Uh, we want to be confident going in. <laughs> we want to be full control <laughs> and um, we want to get approval right then and there if we can. So there was a few factors that we mentioned okay and these are the factors we're going to break down now you might have heard them uh before if you've tuned into my daily dollar video series on facebook or linkedin um i've talked about this a few a uh, few times but if this is your first time welcome but we're going to talk about three different factors to consider to make sure that you've got on point before even going in for the loan approval process because we want you guys to go in get approved and and get going we don't want you guys to go in and get turned down so Three of the factors, now listen close, we want to look at our DTI, which is our debt to income ratio. So we'll talk about that. We want to look at our credit, like Eric mentioned, we want to look at our credit score. We're also looking into our report, but we'll talk about that. And then there's a third factor, our income history. And Eric's going to break that down, our income history. What does that even mean? Um, what improvements can we make? That's what we're going to be chatting about. So we're going to break down these three topics. We're going to explain them for you guys and then we're going to if you find that you're not really in a favorable spot we're going to give you a few tips and tricks so that you can build yourself up and get yourself in the in the right position for approval so the dti the debt to income ratio now in a nutshell what this is is just it's a percentage it's basically what percentage of your gross income is going to your monthly debt obligations so when we're talking about debt obligations, we're talking about minimum payments. We're talking about, you know, your payments, car payments, things like that, uh, credit card minimum payments, anything like that. Um, you know, what percentage of our gross income is going there? So how do you figure out that percentage? Well, it's simple. Take your monthly debt obligation. So combine all your monthly minimum payments, um, car payments, all that. Anything that's a debt that could be reported on your credit report, um, calculate that for the month and divide, divide that by your gross income and you will get a percentage. Now, whatever that percentage may be, I'm going to ask Eric right now, but we want to make sure, I mean, ideally 30% of our gross income would look, would be prime 30% or less. But Eric, if someone's trying to get approved for a loan, let's just say they figured out their debt to income ratio. They just took their their uh, total monthly debt payment divided that by their gross income and they've got a certain percentage what's the ideal percentage 
um, that you usually that you usually look for when it comes to approving someone for a loan? Sure. Yep. So the percentage that we look for is forty five percent, and that should be the percentage that includes uh, the home payment. So it's it's called the back end DTI, and that's gotcha. all of your monthly debts and the proposed uh, new housing expense total makes total sense and that's and that's another factor as well guys um the housing expense ratio i think we mentioned it earlier but that's you know what percentage of your gross income is going to your housing expenses so i liked what eric just mentioned right there so keep that in mind guys now if 45 percent is what eric's usually looking for is what most of the time lenders are looking for if we find ourselves higher than that let's say that 50 or 60 percent of our gross income is going to our debt obligations on top of the back end so the projected housing expenses um if we want to get approved we got to make some changes okay so here are a couple two easy steps or two easy ways in which you can improve your dti okay if you're over 45 percent you could reduce your debt which is obviously a lot easier said than done but you can reduce your debt or you can increase your income. So let's take that first step if you reduce your debt. Well, if you do so, then when you're reducing your debt, that means that your monthly obligations will also start to reduce. And the lower the debt obligation that you have compared to your gross income, the better your score. Or on the flip side, if you can't reduce your debt um, obligations for the month, but you increase your income at the bottom, so you increase your gross income, then you have a more favorable score as well. So what do you think about that, Eric? I mean, are there other steps that you think a person can do to um, improve either their DTI or their back-end DTI? What do you think? Yeah, uh, I think you nailed it. Um, you know, I think of refinancing other payments or, you know, maybe changing your expectations for the kind of home you can afford, which uh, sometimes, you know, has, has to happen. And that's, I mean, that's the other side of the coin. It's like, you've got to make sure that you've done your research because um, we've talked about this before. I know you've talked to clients about it before. I know I have. You know, you've got to look at buying a home as an investment, honestly. I mean, because that's what it is. And just like with any investment, whether it's a home, whether it's you're trying to invest in the market or whatever the case may be, you know, you've got to be prepared. You've got to do your research and uh, you've got to have your, your budget aligned with your goals. You know, so if you're aiming, you know, if you already feel like financially you're not too stable, let's say you don't have an emergency fund, let's say you have pretty substantial debt payments per month, you know, if you find that that's the case with you, you know, take time to reflect on even if the home buying process is right at this time. It's not that you can't get yourself out of the out of the hole, but is it right to do it right now? Or like how Eric mentioned, can it, you know, can we make some can we make some changes to the home that we're looking for? I mean, do you can you really afford a three hundred thousand dollar home? Or does a hundred and fifty thousand dollars make more sense for your situation? That's what you gotta take into consideration. And Eric actually looks into that for you, which is pretty cool. So you're not alone in, in figuring out this stuff. He'll walk you step by step and he'll make sure that you get the right loan that you uh that you need. because um, he's he's got it like that. <laughs> he's got it like that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So Eric, let's talk about the second point. I mean, we talked about the first factor. We want to look at our debt to income ratio and can also consider our back end, which you'll help uh, clients to do. 
Now, with the credit side of things, credit's a big deal. Um, a good credit score gets you in, you know, into a lot of different opportunities, a lot, a lot of locked doors previously, you know. Um, it'll help you find a job, it'll help you get favorable rates, uh, whether it's for a home, whether it's for a car, anything, credit card. Um, credit score has a lot of um, implications, but we got to make sure our credit score is on point. Now, Eric, what's, I mean, what's the, what's the worst credit score a person can have, basically, and still get approved? Right. Yep. So if somebody came to me looking to purchase, uh, the credit score I would want to see is right around 600. And there are ways that I could help somebody you know, who's right around that line get to 600. Uh, but it, it makes uh, everything a lot more difficult if it's any less than that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Are there still, are there still opportunity for people that do have it under, although 600 is not ideal, is there still potential opportunity for someone to get approved under that? Yes, uh, there definitely are. Uh, you would have to have really strong, uh, you know, qualifications in other areas for example the debt to income ratio would be a lot stricter uh you'd have to put down a lot a larger down payment so maybe uh you know have more equity in the home to start uh as well as assets uh your lender is going to want to see that you have reserves uh six months of reserves could be a requirement for somebody with you know uh credit challenged and that's and, it, and that's so important because that's what really show if you're financially stable or not. So, I mean, guys, I mean, if you're listening to this and you feel like, you know, oh, shoot, I have less than 600. I've got a 540. I've got a 560. I've got a 480. You know, and I, you know, don't lose hope. You can always get yourself into a better situation. And that's why we're, that's what we're going to talk about in a second, how you can boost your score. But um, it, it's, it's really for your benefit. I mean, ideally, you may want a home, and uh, that may be a, a big goal for yourself. But think about it this way: I mean, if you tried to apply for a, you know, two hundred thousand dollar house, and you, someone like, you know, gave you approval when they, they shouldn't, you went through the process. I mean, you make one percent of a mistake; that's two thousand dollars right off the bat. You know, so you, they want everyone wants to make sure that you're stable. That's what Eric was saying is that you should have the reserves. You should have three to six months of emergency fund. They want to make sure that you've got some stable foundation um, before you start taking on such a large investment because a home can be a great asset. But if you're not on point, if, if things kind of run <laughs> run awry a little bit, um, it could turn into a huge, if not the largest liability that you'll ever deal with. So it's this is just for your benefit, guys. So. Let's talk about credit, okay? Well, let's say someone has under 600 or they have a 600 and they're trying to build their, their credit score. Uh, let's talk about a few tip, maybe like three different ways in which they can do so. Um, I'll take one of them real quick. You know, if you look at your FICO score, the largest percentage of your FICO score, your credit score, which is 35%, is on-time payment history. And you've probably, you guys have probably hear, heard it, you know, billion times but it is so crucial to be on time with your payments even if you're just making the minimum payments you're not making anything extra you have to make sure that you're on time that you're on point with any of your payments any of your debts that could get reported to uh one of the debt uh debt report agencies one of the bureaus you got to make sure that um 
you're you're on time. And even on the other side of things, outside of the FICA, we've got the Vantage score. But still, the largest portion of that is on-time payment history, guys. So make sure you're on point with that. Now, Eric, I know we have the second one. We're talking about credit utilization. Can you tap into that? Definitely. Yep. So uh, another thing that is going to impact your credit is the utilization of some of those liabilities. So if you have, you know, all of your credit cards maxed out, that's not going to reflect well on your credit. So 30%, just like you had in your outline, uh, that's considered good utilization. Right, right. And that's, I mean, and that's it, guys. So, I mean, if you want to better that situation, you either reduce your, just like how we talked about with uh, the debt payment, I mean, uh, the DTI. I mean, so think about it in the same way. You know, think about how the, the debt to income ratio was what percentage of your gross income is going to your debt obligations. When it comes to your credit utilization, how what percentage of your available credit is going to transactions, other purchases, things like that. So if you've got $10,000 of a, a line of credit on a credit card and you're using $3,000, that's 30%. So you don't want to go over that. And if you are over it, the only way that you can really fix that per se is either increase your um, credit limit. So instead of 10,000, maybe jump it up to 15 or 20,000 if they if you get approval or just simply lower your, your debt obligation. So just pay off more of your balance. So we've got on-time payments so far. We want to make sure we're on point with those. We want to stay under 30% of our available credit. That's our credit utilization. The last tip is stay on top of your credit reports, okay? And not so much from Credit Karma because Credit Karma, even though it's free and it's, it's convenient, it's not always accurate. Make sure you go to a, a truly reliable and safe legal source um, to get your credit report and review that multiple times, as, as many times as possible, if, if not every quarter, just to see if there's any accounts that are... Um, still pending on your not pending but if there's any accounts that need attention i should say on your credit reports any any missed payments anything like that anything in collections anything charged off you want to be on top of that so if you notice any negative marks on your credit report when you pull it you know you want to make sure that you can attack them one way or another is it a missed payment then it's going to be a time factor is it an identity hopefully it's not but is it an identity theft issue you've got to address that do you need to go to a credit uh, a credit attorney to have a um, false claim removed? That could be possible, but you'll never know unless you check out your report. So do so. Because Eric's going to check it, right, Eric? You're going to check out the report? Definitely. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to see it. <laughs> so, you know, you got to be able make sure that you, you've got your eyes on that. Um, consistently pull your credit. And even after, even if you do get approval, even after, you, you know, you walk into the, the door of your first home, Make sure you're still staying on top of your, your credit report because you'll never know when you have to take out another loan, whether on the house. Um, Eric mentioned earlier that, you know, if you want to refinance, you got to make sure your score is on point. So whatever's on your report is going to affect your score. So stay on top of that, guys. So that's it. You know, three of the top factors. Oh, actually, sorry, I'm missing one. There's, <laughs> we've got debt to income. We've got to watch our credit. And then lastly, now this was something that's that was interesting. Um, and Eric's going to take it from here. It's called the income history. Now, Eric, can you break that down? What income history actually is? Right. So when your lender uh, looks at your income, one of the things they'll look for is the employment history or income history. Uh, so in order to use things like 
let's say unemployment income, you need a two-year history if one of the borrowers who is going on the loan is unemployed. Uh, self-employment, you should have a two-year history of that. Uh, things like second jobs, uh, because your lender knows, you know, if you haven't had it for two years, if you just go out and get a second job for qualifying purposes, that's not uh, really going to be able to factor in. Uh, you need to have a proven history of it. Uh, so that's just what I mean by by income history. Very important, very important. And, and guys, I mean, honestly, if you're listening to this, it kind of makes sense. You know, think about this whole process of the loan approval process, because some of us might have gotten, uh, you know, denied uh, a loan in the past. But you got to think about it from the, the lender's perspective. Let's say, for instance, you know, you lent someone $10,000, okay? Let's say, for instance, you lent somebody $10,000. Now, obviously, you want to make sure that you're going to get paid that $10,000 back. I mean, if it's family and friends, that's different, but even still. You know, if you lend out that much money, you want to make sure that you're you're going to get paid back and consistent. So you wouldn't give ten thousand dollars to some random stranger and expect them to pay you back. No, you've got to you're you're going to be on point because that's a lot of money. You know, you want to make sure that that person that you're lending your money to um, can really prove in multiple different areas that they can pay you back and that they're going to stay on top of things. If someone's got you know, a little sketchy history. If you've seen that, you know, someone else or another close friend has lent them money and, you know, they still haven't paid them back and it's been a few years and you'll be a little, uh, you'll be a little, uh, a little hesitant (laughs) to lend them that cash. (laughs) If, especially if say for instance, along the lines of the income history, if they haven't had a job and they're saying they're going to pay you back, well, where are they going to pay you back with hopes and dreams? Nah. You want to make sure you're getting the actual cash back. So that's what lenders, I mean, you've got to take it with a grain of salt. That's what lenders are really doing. I mean, they just, they're, they're willing to lend you the money. They just want to make sure that if they're going to give it to you, you're going to be able to pay it back. And you have to be able to pass these different factors. That make total sense. Total sense. Totally agree. Yep. It's really about putting people, you know, in a position to succeed. That's it. That's absolutely it. Um, even when you think about the, um, t- taking the back a little bit back to that, that DTI, you know, if you lend somebody that, if you lend somebody money, let's say they, that they have a job, um, and you lend somebody that $10,000 and they say that they're going to pay you back. But if you look at their, um, you know, bank statements, you look at, and it's saying that 90% of their money is going to other debts. You know, how are you going to pay me back if you're already you've already got like a workload, you know, paying off all those other things. So you want to make sure they're they're just trying to make sure. And and like Eric said, they're looking for your success. They just have to, you know, dot the I's and was it cross the T's and dot the I's, something like that. (laughs) But uh, just got to double check everything. So those are the three factors, guys. DTI, credit and your income history. We want to double check those things. So that's I mean, this is. This is a huge, absolutely huge first step because if you're listening to this, most likely you're in that process of, of trying to buy your first home and it's it can be a little intimidating if you don't have the right guidance, if you don't have the right people to go to, if you don't have the, the know-how or, or you don't understand the process. And what we've talked about today is, is absolutely huge, how to get approved for a loan. That's your first step. You have to go to Eric. You know, you've got to go to Eric and you've got to know what you're doing. Because if you go in there blindfolded, uh, you might have to get turned down. 
might have to get turned down and we want to make sure that you're that you will succeed um and that's why we made this podcast episode because we want everyone to succeed especially it's it's 2021 you know people are tired of covid and People want to buy their new homes now. It might be difficult, but people want to buy and get into their first home. So that's what we're here for. So let's let's do a quick little summary. Um, Eric, can you break down the um, the refinancing process one, one more time? Like, who do I go to? Um, you know, when do I know to go to them? All that jazz. Sure. Yep. So it doesn't have to be you know your current servicer or your current bank. Uh, it can really it could be myself. It could be another lender out there. And really what I'm looking to do in the refi process is assess your goals. You know, and how can I be a part of them? So uh, if you're just looking to decrease the monthly payment, I would look at your current interest rate. You know, if you haven't refinanced in 15 years, can we lower your interest rate? Gotcha, gotcha. So he's checking out all those factors and that's that's the usual process. And it's, it's all in the benefit of either making your terms more comfortable or saving you money. So, you know, if, if if interest rates are favorable, if you've been in, like Eric mentioned earlier, if you've been in the home, made the purchase and spent longer than six months, I mean, why not think about it? You know, as long as it makes sense, Eric mentioned a few factors you want to consider, but if it makes sense and you can save more money or cut your, your time down, I mean, shoot, you kind of be crazy if you did it. <laughs> so, you know. and, and it's totally free, you know, for me to look, right? It's for me to just look, uh, it can't hurt. That's it. Yeah, it can't hurt. It's, it's either, no, you can't refinance and you're just doing what you've always been doing or they say, hey, we've got some opportunity. Now you're about to save yourself some money. So, guys, I mean, take advantage. Um, at the end of this, I'm going to make sure that in the description we've got all of Eric's information. Even the, he even gave me a link that I'm going to post up that allows you to go through the, the um, application process online. Um, and you can always, obviously, you can always reach out to him, but... Um, you've got all these tools available for you. So if, if your goal is to get your first home, I mean, shoot, check out Eric. And it doesn't matter what state you're in. He's, he's covered in 50 of them. So most likely, if you're listening to this, you're in one of them. So <laughs> definitely check that out. And then when we talked about the loan approval process, you know, a few different factors that we want to keep in mind, guys, the debt to income ratio and real quick or quick recap of that is taking your monthly debt obligations. So your minimum payments, you know, auto loans, things like that, and dividing that by your gross monthly income. And that's going to give you your DTI, your, your percentage. Um, and, and ideally, you want to have under 45% um, of a DTI. And even if you got over that, or even if someone says that you can still get approved, honestly, for your own, own mental health, do you really want half of your hard-earned money going to your debts? most people don't. So let's keep that in mind. Uh, when it comes to your credit, if you're working with Eric, he did mention that 600 and up is is the better spot. But if you are under, there is some some room for opportunity. But guys, keep in mind that the lower your credit score, the, the less favorable rates or the less favorable, I should say, hoops you have to jump through. <laughs> you know, so, so yep. keep that in mind, guys. <laughs> um, and, and just like what we talked about before, I mean, honestly, do you really want to continue going through life with the 520, with the 480, with a 360? I don't, yeah, I'm pretty sure it goes 360, but um, no, you don't, you know, because that'll hinder you in other, in other aspects. So keep that in mind, guys. And if you want to build your credit, a couple tips, make sure you've got on-time payments, keep your credit utilization under 30% and 
stay on top of your reports to attack any negative items that may pop up. And then lastly, we had the income history. So just like if you lend, you know, lend your money to a friend, you want to make sure that they have a job and that they've got sustainable sources of income. That's what Eric's looking for. That's, I mean, it makes total sense. One plus one equals two. And just put that together. So make sure you've got the income to back up. And you've got the history, the employment history that backs up that you can cover um, paying that loan back. So you guys got it. So this is a huge first step. And in future episodes, we'll talk about uh, the next steps following forward. But most people actually fall short here. Um, So, you know, if you can't get through the door on this episode, if you can't get through this process, uh, everything else is going to be impossible for you unless you've got 300,000 children, you know, underneath your mattress. Um, you know, you want to really take some time to reflect on this, apply some of the information. You can always reach out to me or Eric, either on uh, Facebook, on social media or on our websites, which we'll have listed. And we can always walk you through or at least help you um, gain control of your finances so that you can enjoy being a first time home buyer. And like I just mentioned, guys, just want to recap that I will be putting Eric's info in the description um, as well as the link for the online application. So if you guys are interested, definitely reach out to him. Um, there, there shouldn't be any hesitation because obviously he's knowledgeable. He's an expert in the area. He's been doing it for some time and um, he can he can make sure that you get the best rates. He can make sure that you get the best options and tools to help you be successful with the first time home buying process. And with me, I'm just a simple financial coach, guys. I mean, a lot of us weren't taught financial education in school, and that's why we've got such bad DTIs. That's why we have such bad credit. So what I'm here for is to help guide you step-by-step to helping you gain control of your finances, gain control of your money, and be more confident uh, when making financial decisions. So we can even lay out a, uh, a home buying budget, a home ownership budget, I should say, and that'll help you figure out does it make sense to apply for this loan? Does it make sense to go home shopping? Or does it make sense to push back the goal so we can solidify ourselves right here and right now? So Eric, I want to thank you so much, man. I, I know for a fact that you've helped out a lot of people. Um, you even taught me a few new things. So it, it was an absolute pleasure having you on this episode, man. Absolutely awesome. Yep. Thank you for having me on here. Uh, this definitely, is awesome. Definitely. And guys, everyone that's listening i want to thank you guys so much for keeping the show up and running and we really do appreciate all the love and feedback you've been giving us it 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 means the world and i thank you all and i'll listen to well not listen i won't listen to you guys but i hope you guys tune into another episode the millennial money matters with me austin james thank you once again mr eric safarian and we'll talk to you guys soon